0: Good morning class, just to make sure that you guys know, I am not Tim Jennings, Um, that's not necessarily for the few faithful who are here, but also for those who are watching or whatever to make sure they don't think that I'm Tim, and um, anyway, let's bow our heads for prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for promising to be with us. Be with us now, send your spirit, be with each member of the class here Those who are watching online, be with me. May we be instruments of your peace and your kingdom to draw others close to you. Amen. Amen. So, today is lesson number four, Evangelism and Witnessing as a Lifestyle. Um, The key thought, whether we acknowledge it or not, all believers preach a message by example of their lives. Just a question, for you personally. Does this statement provoke reassurance or guilt?
1: <laughs>
0: guilt. You know Both. It, it could be both. you know? It could be reassuring that um, we are a witness, whether we strive to be witnesses or not. Um, Growing up, I had a favorite statement in Mrs. White's writings that I loved because it got me off the hook. And um, right now, I'm still on the hook because I can't find it. Oh, here it is. It is a statement from Christ Object Lessons, page 340. It says, Character is power. The silent witness of a true, unselfish, godly life carries an almost irresistible influence. By revealing in our own life the character of Christ, we cooperate with Him in the work of saving souls. It is only by revealing in our life His character that we can cooperate with Him. And the wider sphere of our influence, the more good we can do. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But I always cherish that because then that meant I didn't have to say anything. You know, um, when when called upon by the, the evangelism committee to do something, I didn't have to... Um, participate because I was the irresistible witness, you know, of being silent. So, anyway, um, why are you reassured or why do you feel guilty when you read that statement that was in the the class? Anyone?
2: You might feel guilty if you realize you haven't been a good witness. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, You know... We all have our times of anxiety. Yesterday I went through a cardiac stress test and they said, Oh, just relax. I said, Don't worry, my stress test will be tomorrow morning at 10.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I feel mixed feelings on that because, you know, 10, 20 years ago, uh, I behaved uh, in a manner that that did not really, did not reveal Christ's uh, character uh, as well as it should have. And I have reassurance that I now behave in a way that better reveals Christ's character. And I also have reassurance that 20 years from now, if I continue in the same path, I'll continue to reveal Christ's character better than I do now.
0: How many of you here are parents? Isn't that the most humbling thing you've ever done in your life? Especially in retrospect. You know, I mean, I could just rewind a few of those precious moments that I could have acted a little... More heavenly, more godlike, in the, cru- the truest sense of being a loving parent, you know, to my children, you know. Um, anyway, would someone read for Sabbath uh, afternoon's lesson, read the first paragraph that Christianity?
4: It has often been said that Christianity is not just an adherence to a set of beliefs it is also a way of life a lifestyle after all what we believe will ultimately impact the choices we make and the kinds of kind of lives we live
0: what is the emphasis when we talk about lifestyle
2: doing deeds
0: doing deeds, deeds.
3: instead of
0: being diet diet
3: list of rules russell for me, it, it becomes habit. You know, a, a lifestyle, for example, with exercise, it, it can begin, your motivation can begin to, to, to do it to lose weight, to reduce your stress, to because of vanity, because you want to look better. And if it becomes a lifestyle, it's now habit.
0: Okay. So that's the structure, the lifestyle. But when we talk about lifestyle, it's behavior we're talking about behavior. What is the core of Christianity? Lost. Love.
1: The glory to God.
0: Okay.
4: Exemplified by action.
0: As exemplified by action, but what is the core? You know, um, John seventeen three. This is the life eternal to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How do we come to know God? Relationship. Relationship. So Christianity is relationship. It's not behavior. And often when we talk about lifestyle, we talk about behavior. When we talk about Christianity, or marriage, or lots of other things, we talk about relationship. Obviously the two are connected indelibly cl- connected. But um, my concern is when we first think about lifestyle, the Christian lifestyle, and the Christian lifestyle as being a witness, we are not talking about our be- our behavior. Um, when we concentrate on our behavior, where is our focus? Self. On us. You know. Um... And um, our focus is not well placed if it's on us, you know, okay? We, we need to bring our lives, our lifestyle to the cross and to the law for what purpose? Change. Okay. What is the purpose of a test at the end of, an ex- of a semester? see
2: how much you know.
0: To test how much you know. Okay, what is a interval exam for? Why, it, I don't know how many of you, well, all of you have been to class, you know, you know and, and you've all been to, and you have a midterm. What is the purpose of the midterm? Check your progress. Is my knowledge up to the level it should be at that point? Um, it's an, The law is meant as an exam to find out where we are. It's not a blueprint for my behavior. It's a diagnostic aid. When you go in and get a MRI or X-ray or EKG or blood test or whatever else, they are not asking you. You know, I, I was joking with the, the crew that tested me yesterday, and I said I've stayed up all night practicing for this.
5: <laughs>
0: you know, um, that that's not what a test is. That's not what a law is. When we focus on the law or on our behavior, we're focused, That is an exam for us, but it's not a blueprint For us. So, anyway, all right, going down, continue on Sabbath afternoon's uh, lesson. Uh, Someone read the second and third paragraph. It is also true.
2: It is also true that those who claim to be Christians are keenly observed by those who are looking to see whether their lives match their professed beliefs. Even if we don't intend to, those who watch us do learn from us. So the important question is not, are we influencing other people and passing things on to them, but rather, how are we influencing other people and what are we passing on to them? While we should always remember the importance of our unintentional influence on those around us, we must also intentionally plan to help people to make a connection between faith and lifestyle. This week we will study how the Christian's lifestyle can demonstrate the relevance of faith in everyday existence.
0: So the focus of this, these two paragraphs is um, we are an influence. Is that something we have to work toward? No. We have to get up in the morning say, I have to be an influence, I have to be an influence, etc., and often in our outlook on our Christian walk, oh brother, you know, what do I need to do now, etc. How can I do this, or whatever. And we're putting our focus on the wrong thing. If we have a relationship with God, if, if we are walking with Christ, that will be evident in uh, Matthew seven sixteen and 20, by their fruits ye shall know them, or the God's word translation, by what they produce, a tree does not have to work to produce. It's the natural result of being a healthy tree. We don't go out and um, squeeze the tree to get it to produce, you know, or whatever, okay? We try to encourage healthy growth and life and whatnot. And um, in Matthew seven seventeen and 18, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit um there's a statement also that i it was aimed at women and and for those of the male gender in the room uh, try to read this as a all inclusive um thing it comes out of um second testimonies great is the work and mission of women especially those who are wives and mothers They can be a blessing to all around them. They can have a powerful influence for good if they will let their light so shine that others may be led to glorify our Heavenly Father. Women may have a transforming influence if they will only consent to yield their way and their will to God and let Him control their mind, affections, and being. They can have an influence which will tend to refine and elevate those with whom they associate. But this class generally are unconscious. Of the power they possess. They exert an unconscious influence which seems to work out naturally from a sanctified life, a renewed heart. It is the fruit that grows naturally upon the good tree of divine planting. Self is forgotten, merged in the life of Christ. To be rich in good works is as natural as their breath. They live to do others good and yet are ready to say, We are unprofitable serg- servants. We talk a lot about law in this class. Okay. We talk about gravity and respiration and whatnot. And I think this is another example of a law, a law on which we are built and genetically designed to be that we will influence people, we will produce fruit whether we are trying to produce fruit or not. We are producing fruit. Okay? Now, a couple questions about this. Will God supernaturally produce good fruit from a bad tree? Okay. Will He supernaturally produce good behavior or outcomes from a human who is not transformed in His image? Yes. Others said no. Yes. Explain yes. Uh, Pharaoh.
3: He used Pharaoh to um, bless. It's hard to say how he used him. But he used him as a display of God's own power in a way. Because Pharaoh really knew how powerful God was. He knew a lot about God because he'd heard it from other people. And when he said, who is this God, it wasn't out of a lack of knowledge, but it was rather out of a lack of rebell- uh, rebellion that he had in his heart.
0: Um. Okay. So, one of our favorite texts is Romans 8.28. Hold a second. You've got to speak up you've got to say it. Someone, If you want someone to read it or if you want to recite it, as Margaret was doing, but you had to do it loud enough so that Someone can pick it up on the microphone, okay? So Romans 8.28, what does that say?
2: All things work together for good to those that love the Lord according to His purpose.
0: If this is true, does it matter what we do? All the actions that Pharaoh did, if you pull out all of them, I can't think of any of them. Now, I may be in the spur of the moment missing something here. But, but I can't think of a single action that Pharaoh did that was good. Okay? So if Pharaoh, being evil man he was, self-centered and um, obstinate and everything else, and God was able to work good out of that, what's the important bi- business about us doing good? Ah, it mattered to Pharaoh. Did it matter to anybody else? Well,
4: I mean, in that case, the Israelites were set free, which is a good thing for them. But I was reading in, in along further in Matthew seven uh, twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly: I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So in those instances, they were doing good, but they were, but without the right motive or the right relationship with God, it didn't help them.
0: Been reading my notes. <laughs> good. Okay. But, but that's true. Yes.
2: Um, Tim Jennings asked: um, Any comments on how our state of being creates an environment and energy for either good, uplifting, positive, or negative, angry, hostile, in any sense of being influences those around us.
0: Tim, that's too long. Okay. <laughs> Dividing that up, I hear a question about what it, is its effect on us. Okay. Okay. Our own state of being. Our own state of being. Is it healthy? No. Okay. Is it healthy for those around us? Looking at, okay, we'll, we'll use the, the, the thing of Pharaoh. I wasn't going to use Pharaoh, but that's okay. Pharaoh's brought up, and I think that's a very good illustration. So Pharaoh, was it good? Okay. God created good things happening to the children of Israel out of that. But what about the rest of the nation? What did they leave behind? a land that was devastated, all the firstborn dead, you know, and so our actions do have an effect, and just because we all like to quote Rome, Romans eight doesn't mean that bad things do not happen as a result of bad things that come out of us, broken that we are. Okay? Um... What is then the purpose of doing good things? It's supposed to be a natural outflow of it, okay? But what's the purpose of doing good things?
4: So we can flow in the river of life. You know, we're not a lake of life. We're supposed to be drinking of the river of life, which means you drink it in, you let it out. Doing good to others preserves that flow, that circle of living in life where God allows you to be part of people's healing. He allows you to be part of their education, their salvation. He includes you in that process. And it's good for you and it's good for them.
0: Russell?
3: Christ's life on earth, I mean, his whole, his whole being was wrapped up in glorifying his father. Uh, and and other passages in scriptures uh, says that, that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven.
5: When we exude compassion or love, it benefits us physiologically. Ah. Uh. Okay, and then that also it impacts others around us, which is the opposite. If we are on the negative side of things, we impact other people. I mean, our mind and heart are meant to be congruent and together. But when we are not with God and not doing things that re-energize us, then we actually are taking down. I mean, there, it, you can't be in the middle. You're, you're one or the other.
0: So, good behaviors, interaction with God, and being one with God and having God in us or in union with us, as Goodspeed says, um, is beneficial not only for those around us, but it helps us be healed. We are growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, the the interaction with God and with others in a positive manner creates in us a healed being through God's grace. Yes.
1: I think an important concept for us to remember as we're discussing the whole thing of interactions and relationships is that sometimes we think we can choose to have an impact and then we can choose whether that impact is good or bad. But I think a really core idea is that we are going to impact every breath I take. And every inhalation, exhalation affects this world. Every, everything that I do affects somebody else, so I am going to affect. And we hear a lot of the expression, well, it's my business, not yours. Well, it it only hurts me, or it's, you know, I can do what I want. But everything I do affects in a ripple effect out from me, from my physiological actions to my psychological thinking.
0: Uh, there are laws on the books that people are uh, against right now that because they talk about private behavior and it's like, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with the world, this is my business. okay? Um, There's a, a quote I came across that says, if you are indulging in any known sin, you cannot utter words to the glory of God. Because there is something in your heart that condemns you. The Spirit of God is not in your soul, but let the heart with all its affections be surrendered to God and you will have joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Your intellect, your ability, your soul, body, and spirit have been purchased at an infinite price by the Son of God and all belong to Him. That's how we're designed to be. And it's fun. Have you ever done something that um really worked and realized how much fun it was? Okay, And I don't care if it's a successful project that you had at home or whatever else, the end result is fun. And if we are in harmony with the one that made us and our lives are outflowing in the way we're supposed to be, We are being healed and it is fun, a lot more fun than things that maybe look like fun on the surface, okay? Not that it's always fun. Getting back to Romans 8.28, all things are not good. All men are not transformed for the good. All things that happen to us are not good, and the end result of all things may not be good until the earth is made new. We may not know that, what the, what the end result is, until we get there. Um, the fact that we are called upon to endure trial shows the Lord Jesus sees in us something precious. precious, which he desires to develop, God never leads his children otherwise than they would be choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. He who is imbued with the spirit of Christ abides in Christ. the blow that is aimed at him falls upon the Saviour who surrounds him with his presence. whatever comes to him comes from Christ. He has no need to resist evil for Christ is his defense. Think about that. He has no need to resist evil for Christ is his defense. Nothing can touch him except by our Lord's permission and all things that are permitted to work together for good to them that love God. That's um, sometimes, um, it's like, thank you Lord, but I'd rather not be blessed with that. Okay? Okay? All right. God is with us even to the end of the age. And that's the important thing in my life. Okay. All right. Now, it doesn't mean that we cannot be fooled. Okay. And here's where I had her her text, Matthew seven twenty two. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, you know, I did all these good things, you know, and yet were they really good things, you know, out of their life? No? Okay. All right. Um, Speaking more about this, we in this class have had a sojourn, and um, many have felt put upon by a division by things that happen, you know. And just speaking of that... um, I'd like to read two more statements. Um, Hopefully I'm not reading too much today. The last prayer that Christ offered for his disciples for his trial was that they might be one in him. Satan is determined that this oneness shall not be, for it is the strongest witness that can be born that God gave his son to reconcile the world to heaven. Schism and division are not the fruits of righteousness. They are of the wicked one. The great hindrance to our advancement at this time is the selfishness that prevents believers from having true fellowship one to another. The last prayer that Christ offered for his disciples before his trial was that they might be one. God did indeed send his son to reconcile the world. So anyway, all right. Moving on.
4: But he also said, the world will hate you like it hates me. If you're my disciples, you will stir up controversy by being my disciples, just like Jesus, on, by doing the right thing, stirred up controversy he didn't want, but Satan stirred it up in people's hearts against him.
0: Okay. He, controversy, schism, and division was, was stirred up by Christ. Was Christ part of that division?
4: Well, in that he put a mirror up to people's faces that they didn't want to see. So they rebelled against that and against him and willed so against anybody who takes Christ into their life and and does likewise.
0: What are we responsible for? Mm
4: -hmm. Walking with
0: God. Ourselves. Are we responsible for the behavior of others? Are we responsible for the final outcome? No. That's hard. I, your <laughs> yes, and I have two wonderful children, you know, who I'm very proud of. But um, it's hard to say that they have decisions to make, etc., my coworkers, my friends wherever have decisions to make, my family members have decisions to make. You know, um I uh, I'm not a very good example of this, you know, so I whatever. Um but it came to me when I was in medical school and residency that um we are cruelest to our own families. I had the blessing of going out to California for medical school and um, across the street, literally across the street from the hospital was my aunt and uncle. So every day when I went to the hospital or whatever, I had to go within one block of their house because it was so close and we were starving students. um, It was very easy to drop in on every Sabbath and have Sabbath lunch that was already prepared by aunt. Okay? And um, it was an automatic carpet on the floor that you could rest on. You know, no requirements, whatever. And um, because they were my aunt and uncle, they weren't my family, they were my aunt and uncle. If they did something, believed something, said something, was, was a little harsh or a little edged or whatever, That's okay. That's my aunt and uncle. And I did not criticize them for that. And likewise, when I did something that they did. Now, they had four sons who um, were great kids, you know, Um, had four sons, but they were very critical of their sons. But when I came over to their house and did the very same thing, they wouldn't say anything because I was their nephew, you know, I wasn't their child and over the 10 years that i lived in that town i became closer to my aunt and uncle than i were than i was to my uh, mother and father and the relationship that i had with uncle harvey and aunt Naomi was incredibly close when they died um they said, "Oh well, you're the fifth son. What do you want out of our, their inheritance?" You? But no, that I was not their son. I just had a relationship that was very, very close because I was not condemning. I was open, and and they they likewise gave grace to my behavior, my beliefs, my actions that I could not feel comfortable in giving to my own parents. And to this day, I have some angst over when if someone says, "Oh." Moses, are you related to, and instantly, there's a wall that goes up because I don't believe the same and I'm not the same person as either of my two brothers or my sister or my parents in the life that they lived. And I think we need to have the grace of God to treat our family as good as we treat people who are a little bit of more of a distance. You know? Oh, that's hard. For me, personally. But through the grace of God, yes, we can do that. So, anyway. Um, all right, turning to Sunday's lesson. Ooh. Yes? Is that because we take responsibility for other people's behavior? Oh, I think so. And we have identity that we... Their behavior, we assume, is our identity when, it, when it's not. They are free moral beings. That we, you
5: know. I think we just have a problem with being controlling. You know, I mean, if we, don't, if we don't have control of something or somebody, you know, it really causes problems for ourselves. And I think when you truly have that relationship with God, you lose that and allow people, as we've been allowed, to make decisions. Because it really freaks people out. I mean, I think that's one big problem that we have in this country, and a lot of anxiety that people have has to do with control or obsessive tendencies.
0: Because
5: yeah. if you have to control it, you never owned it anyway.
0: At the same
4: time, other people pigeonhole hold us with our friends and our family.
0: Yes, um, I, I had a, an occasion in which um, I went to the village market I was a college student here and they refused my check because the name on my check looked like the name of someone who was on their wall that they shouldn't receive checks from that I was closely related to
1: (laughs) it all boils down to judgment
0: yes we, we won't go there. So, so yes, we are affected by it, but we need to give them grace. Okay? They have their walk as well. We are not responsible for them. Turning to Sunday's lesson, um, going to the bottom paragraph, would someone read the, we must not. We must not underestimate both our intentional and unintentional influences on those around us. The Christian's life is to be like a letter sent from Jesus Christ to the world. From a heart that is renewed by divine grace, this letter will demonstrate the power of the gospel to transform lives and thereby will witness for the Lord. Can this be hidden? If it can't be hidden, then what's our problem? Do we have to worry about doing it? You know? All right. Going on the the box, and I don't know what color it is in your your um, lesson quarterly. The bottom box there. Um, how have you been affected by those whose actions match their profession? How have you been affected by those actions? Didn't by those whose actions didn't match their profession? And the question I have is: Is our assessment always correct? Um, we have a Second uh, Corinthians ten seven. You are looking at the outward appearance of things. Are there some of you, uh, are are there some there who reckon themselves to belong to Christ? Well, let them think again about themselves because we belong to Christ just as much as they do. Okay. Or 1 Samuel sixteen seven. But the Lord said to him, pay no attention to how tall or handsome he is. I have rejected him because I do not judge as people judge. They look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. What biblical examples can you, be, can you give of people who are misjudged by their appearance? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Who else? Job. Job.
3: The woman
1: who gave the two mites at the temple.
0: Okay. The widow and the, her two mites. Elijah. Elijah hadn't thought of him.
3: Mary Magdalene.
0: Mary Magdalene. How about Judas? The disciples, up to the time when he actually went out of the upper room, thought he was going off to give money to the poor. Okay? Hannah at the temple, when she was praying, and what did Eli think was happening? She was drunk. Okay. How about John the Baptist? You know, um, Matthew eight, eleven, eighteen. When John came, he fasted and drank and no wine, and everyone said he has a demon in him. You know. Then when Christ came, they said, you know, you're eating and drinking with the the sinners. How about John himself? His assessment of Christ. Now, now, John the Baptist was listed by Christ as being the greatest prophet that ever lived. He sent emissaries to Christ to find out if he was really the Christ. Pharisees didn't recognize Christ. Um, how about Isaiah fifty three four? We esteemed him stricken of God. So how many of us have at some time or other thought that it was God who beat up on Christ and tortured him for our sins?
2: Chris in Alaska said people who don't dress as you do.
0: Yeah. You know, and, 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 and dress is often um, cultural and whatnot, um, we have had some friends who've who've grown up in other cultures and they come and live in our community and they're appalled at what they see and yet we it's like wait a minute this is this is who we are okay um okay How many have thought that it was God who exacted the price for our sins on Christ? It was God that did it. All right. The second part of that um, gray box or whatever box it is, pink box or whatever the box is at the bottom, it says, what will help you to, to always remember that your actions will influence others one way or another? Again, what is our emphasis here? Behavior is that gracious attitude or a um, guilt attitude. We have to be careful how we use our beliefs to um, get a result. Yes? I
1: think it reflects back to what you said earlier and what Dr. Jennings has said so many times that we're not responsible for anybody else but we are responsible for ourselves so understanding that I'm not responsible for you but I am responsible for what I demonstrate to you brings it back to me and that has to come from my relationship with God that has to come from reflecting his character to somebody else and
4: when you look at the commandments they say, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, which I always thought meant no cursing, etc. That's the way I was brought up. But sure. now I think it means don't say you're a Christian when you're not because you will influence people in the name of God, which you're influencing for bad and not for good.
0: Right. That, that's very, you know, how many of us swear... But how many of us declare ourselves to be Christian at times in our life when we have not had a relationship with him? I think for myself I've I've unfortunately had that walk. You know
4: it's more than just swearing. I mean, if I say I'm Ken's wife, but I run around with everybody, you know, doing everything, have I not taken that name in vain? You know, have I not taken his name in vain? I say I'm his wife, he says he's my husband, but if I don't behave as a wife or husband, have I not taken his name in vain?
0: Okay, let's go on and skip over um, precious material and go to Thursday's lesson. Someone, uh, well, uh, for the sake of time, I will read the last sentence or so uh, or two of the of the first paragraph for Thursday's lesson. The point is that many Seventh-day Adventists have few or no meaningful relationships outside the fellowship. Though it is important for us to avoid unholy influences, there is a degree to which such isolation detracts from our ability to reach people with the gospel message. I, um, when I moved back to college Dale, now I, I went to Collegedale for my college years my folks had moved here when I was in high school. And so when I came time, time to come to college, I came home and um, went to college here. Um, got two separate degrees here. And, um, so I moved away for, I don't know, 20, 25 years or something like that. And I came back and I had some guilt in coming back to the ghetto. I do live in Chattanooga, but, um, I had some guilt in coming back to the, the Adventist ghetto, but I went downtown. In, in my interactions first with the town, and I noticed the challenge had been changed. It was a much cleaner town. It had much more touristy things to do and whatnot, etc. And I went into a restaurant with my wife, and we were eating. And, um, I, um, asked the waitress, I said, um, what do you know about Collegedale and the university out there? And, um, she said, I don't know anything about them. They stay out there and I stay in here.
2: <laughs>
0: and so I am a vegetarian. And so I asked her um, what vegetarian options she had. And she described those for her, And she said, in this town, you're not going to find very many vegetarian options. And I thought, how interesting for a town that's located 15 miles from a center that has more than 5,000 people in it who at least half by research are vegetarians and her establishment did not feel an economic urge to provide any vegetarian options on their menu. Interesting. I just 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 interesting, so um, going on with that thought um, let 's see the fourth paragraph um, one, two, three, four um, the a challenge for each of one of us is to intentionally expand our personal mission field. This may mean adjusting our lifestyle in order to rub shoulders. With more unchurched people. This is not to say that we compromise principles, convictions, and values, but rather that we look for opportunities where we can, in clear conscience, to interact with others in a way that will allow us to become both friends and, as a result, channels of God's truth. What does that sound like?
4: Pontificating. It sounds like, yay, us, poor you.
5: (laughs) Get Get out of your box.
0: Is this a tool that we are to use?
4: A way of life.
0: A way of life, okay? Um, speak, yes. I'm still back in Egypt. Oh, okay? <laughs> we don't know what kind of relationship the people had with God at that time, whether they really knew Him that well or not, but there must have been something about the uh, Israelites
6: that their slaves would want to go with them when they left to go out into the, into the wilderness. And I've, I've often wondered
0: if the time came that we, <clears throat> we had to leave or go away, how many would come with us? Would anyone find us attractive enough to, um, to come with us? Yeah. Or, or would they say, sure glad they're gone
1: just been killed because of us, they to want to attach themselves to safety.
0: Yeah, there there could be multiple reasons to, to flee with someone. Okay. Um going along this way, there was a question in the um in the Friday's lesson at the end discussion questions, the bottom question is Think about your church as a whole. How integrated in the community is it? If your church vanished tomorrow, how much difference to the community would that make? How about if our Sabbath school class vanished tomorrow? Yes. I was getting to that because Tim has a burden on his heart to make us integral into our community and to get us influenced. And as a result, the um, web ministry and other things are happening, etc. But, um, you know, how are we doing in our relationships, etc. You know, many Adventists are very good at um, work. We work a lot. We aren't very good recreationally in playing a lot or playing well with others.
5: <laughs>
0: you know, I I just have right now in my life um I I have to exp- um, express um I have grown up I don't know what generation but Adventist okay that was my culture and whatnot I grew up in in you know. My sojourn, I mean, I do not know of a single day in my entire life until I was 10 years of age that I missed a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I mean, we were strict, you know, down the road. Um, And um, I have difficulty because my concept of what Sabbath is has been so restrictive that I have had guilt associating with others of a different belief on the Sabbath doing recreational things. When Christ did most of His healings on the Sabbath, the Pharisees said... This guy was paralyzed for 38 years. You could have done it on another day. What was his response to that? What was Christ's statement in response to the criticism of him healing on the Sabbath? And they called it work. My father's work he works every day and I'm doing his work. Now, there are prohibitions for certain behaviors on the Sabbath. What are those prohibitions?
6: Work.
0: work. Vocational work.
2: To earn a living.
0: Okay? Is that a uh, maybe? I shouldn't ask a question I don't have the answer for. But is that a prohibition for you working on the Sabbath to help others? I'm I'm going to uh, get in trouble here. I'm
6: going to <laughs> so I'm going to throw this back because you're in the medical industry, and there's always uh, I was coming to there a journey. Yes, that question. Yeah. And um, my background is actually from not in the church. And my journey to um, extricating myself from the commercial world of where I made most of my money on Saturday
5: uh.
6: and gifting that time to God and trusting him to take care of me was to me during that period where I was making those decisions practically life and death when it came to my survival. Mm -hmm. So the... Jump the leap of faith into my father's will and my father's work was unforgettable.
0: Wow. You know, now I am in the medical profession, okay, and so I get a pass. (laughs) <laughs> right? Right, you know? So uh you know, if you know, fortunately my, my patient went home yesterday so I don't have to go make rounds today, you know. But um you know people say, Oh you got you know, there's an attorney friend who said, you know, wait a minute, you get to work on Sabbath and yet I don't get to and I thought, how tragic that it was looked at as a get to. Because, you know, I have had to convert my mentality so that I am working God's work when I am working on the Sabbath. Okay? It has had to be a difference. Now, I have two functions currently in Chattanooga. I am a practicing pediatric orthopedic surgeon who takes care of emergencies and whatnot on Sabbath and whatnot, etc. But I'm also in charge of a section of the residency program involving my little niche, In two weeks, there is a function in which the residency hierarchy gets together to plan for the next year's educational program. I've had uh, difficulty communicating to my colleagues why showing up to the operating room on Saturday morning is different than showing up to another business establishment just as well respected and not condemned for anything they're doing illegal to do another function on Sabbath. Okay? But I think that we often give medicine an automatic pass without even thinking about it, but we don't think about um, doing God's work on Sabbath. I mean... I, we often go to the springs being bed springs you know um we yeah, yes just
6: question I know for me in my journey I had to evaluate um how do I do God's work and the difference of it in my whole being, in my whole attitude the you you mentioned relationships right at the beginning of the class, and the time within god 's time of the value of relationship is so. Different compared to how we see what we invest in in this world. So, in our work on Sabbath, his time that he has set aside, how can we look at what we do in his eyes? and value of eternity for that individual and that person interaction that we have been privy to cross paths at that moment.
0: This is a a tough problem I'm walking through right now because it's like, how do you do work for God now, I love, okay, I'm a pediatric surgeon and some of the, the natural innate things that I have been in- gifted with by God and then trained to do look a lot like carpentry, okay? And in my basement, I'm assembling a collection of woodworking equipment so that one day if I ever do have spare time, I will be able to function in a different role, etc. And I have wondered what doing odd jobs for the person in need with my woodworking equipment on the Sabbath would look like if truly it was needed by God to help someone in need and it wasn't just a separate vocation. You understand? There's a challenge here. Um, I would like to make a statement before we, we finish about medicine. And that is, medicine has been termed as the right hand of the gospel. As I was engendered or brought up or whatever in my psyche and whatnot, in my environment... It was used in that, as that term, to be a tool that you use to manipulate people to latch onto them so they would come over and be listening to us with the second half of our program. Okay? So it was a carrot to get someone to come over to somewhere else. Somehow, I don't think that when Christ went across, uh, all around Galilee healing the sick, that he was doing that so they'd listen to his sermon. I think what he was doing was he was acting as God. Truly, as God would have acted if he would have been walking those saints. If the God the Father and the God the Son were in the same place, would have exchanged places, It wouldn't have made any difference. Okay? And so he was acting as God to those who were in need. Medicine should not be a tool in the hand of anybody to do anything other than help those who need to be helped. Okay? And however we individually decide to work out God's work on the Sabbath day. Oh, there's dangers here. But we are called to a relationship. And in our relationship, we are called to be as natural as the breath is to interact with those around us and we are not responsible for them to be coming all the way to God's kingdom on that one visit. The us bow our heads. Oh, oh. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being here, for sending your Spirit as you have promised. Continue to be with us. May we know that you are with us even to the end of the age. May we live our lives in walking with you. And may we know the words to say for you. Amen.